Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And if you are a dad who wants more tools for your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And although I focus primarily on the dad-daughter relationship, you'll discover that the things we talk about here also apply to other relationships in your life, be it with your sons or wives or girlfriends or coworkers and on it goes. And the reason for that is because it's about you as a man becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the heart of your daughters and your sons. Well, I'm sure you have this down by now, but the template I use each week is on your mark, get set, go. So I want you as fathers to picture yourselves standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set as I'm going to fill that in with stories and stats. And then go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today we have the privilege of hearing from a wise leader that I truly respect, Pastor Dominic Doan. He is the pastor of Westside, a Jesus church in Portland, Oregon, right here in our home city, and he has a master's degree in theology from the University of Oxford and is the author of a fantastic new book titled, When Faith Fails, Finding God in the Shadow of Doubt. Let me say that again because it's really powerful. When Faith Fails, Finding God in the in the shadow of doubt. And recently, when I heard Dom speak at the Intentional Family Conference on how parents could help their children navigate different kinds of challenges with their children doubting their faith, I went right up to him and said, you've got to come on my program and talk about that. So I'm so honored that he's here today with us. He's married to his wife, Elisa, and he loves being a dad to his teenage daughter, Amelia. Welcome, Pastor Dominic Doan. Thank you. It is so good to be here. I love I love this show. I love what you're doing. Oh, well, back at you. I've heard you preach. I love your heart for people and for the word and for truth. So it's an honor to have you here. Well, on your mark today, we're calling it When Faith Fails and Daughters Doubt. Mm. So I had a guy in my counseling office this week who ended up having tears coming down his face saying, I'm doubting my relationship with God. And he's never had this happen in mm. his 50s, right? He he said yes to Jesus at nine. And I think he represents what a lot of of men and women are saying is, I don't know where I would go to tell someone yeah. that I'm actually struggling. And so the timing of you being here, Dom, mm. is so significant. And I loved being able to tell him, you've got to get this book. You've got to get <laughs> Dom's book. I wrote it down. And so for those listening, this book just came out. Get it, read it, read it with your daughters. Dads, read it together with your daughters to open up conversations. And today, Dom's going to help unpack that theme. So I would love to just start by asking you if you could tell us a little bit of the backstory, because I love how in your book, here's what you wrote, because your doubt may be the best thing that has ever happened to you. That's why you wrote this book, you said. Mm -hmm. You said, I wrote this book because God loves doubters. The Bible is full of them. I wrote this book because I know what it feels like to doubt. I've been there. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I don't think this is the first time you've heard someone say, I, I don't usually get that message. Right. Yay, you're doubting. Right. So tell us what yeah. led you to write the book and a little of your story. Oh, well, I, I'd say, first of all, and you alluded to this, that so many people right now are wrestling with, with questions about their faith and not sure what to do with doubts when they experience them. Because typically when a person doubts... They're given two options, and neither one is good. <laughs> ah. Option one is to demonize your doubt, and doubt is seen as the enemy of faith, and so you got to suppress your doubt and just 
cover it up with more songs and sermons. Another option is to idolize your doubt and put more trust in the doubt than the thing that you're doubting. Mm. And, and so we give into deconstruction. Um, but I wrote this book because I went through a season in my life where I almost lost my faith. Oh. And it was really excruciating and painful and challenging. Um, and going through that season, I just felt I had this passion to share that story uh-huh. and also give people practical tools and, and really uh, ways that they could move through their own seasons of doubt in pursuit of deeper faith. And how old were you, if you mind my asking? Yeah, so kind of my story with the Lord started when I was 10. And then um, as I got older and older, um, like so many people, I just, I, I had questions about things I'd experienced, um, things I had seen, some of the brokenness uh, of my family growing up, uh, some of the things I experienced as a missionary in different countries of the world. I mm. lived for a year in Mexico, three years in Vanuatu. And then it kind of culminated in a season when I lived at the university, uh, lived in Oxford and went to the University of Oxford. Uh-huh. And, um, really you got put, all that heady stuff. Yeah, put it all on the table and just really decided I was going to take some time and reevaluate some of the things that I had been taught uh, theologically, uh, things I'd learned in church, and really go all in and ask the questions I've been too afraid to ask. I love hearing that you said you intentionally set aside time yeah. in a way to face the doubts yep. and ask the questions, because you and I both know that God is big enough yes. to handle all of that. He knows it anyway. <laughs> That's right. So why don't we just get it out in the open Absolutely. and let him mess it up yeah. knowing that he's big enough, right? His arms are outside that mystery. Yeah, And you write right about that. I love that. Well, I want to reference another thing that you've spoken about. And you said that during your time of wrestling, this is what you wrote about, that your wife urged you to engage the life of the mind mm. with the longings of your heart because you wrote that she could tell that you were conflicted. I was like, oh my goodness, she's my kind of woman. She was wanting yeah. you to connect your head and your heart. That's and right. so because I talk to dads a lot about what it looks like to turn their hearts, not just their heads, towards their daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the directive God gave, right. that the hearts of fathers have to turn. I would love to ask you, how exactly did you tune into the longings mm. of your heart and how did it help you in your process of wrestling with faith? Oh, that is such a good question. And I talk about that in chapters three and four. Um, my wife could see that I was going through this time of, of doubt and deep, deep wrestling. And I brought that all out and shared that with her. And, and you're right, she did encourage me. It was a time to engage the longings of my heart with, with what I was wrestling with. Um, for me... I had to come to a place of realization that what my heart was really after was not more bullet point certainty or simplistic answers to my faith. What what I was really longing was not another book on 101 answers to difficult questions. What I was really longing for in that season of doubt was relationship and intimacy and closeness with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming to understand that faith isn't about certainty or having all the answers, but true faith is learning to live with the questions or in the tension of an unresolved faith. So I think of C.S. Lewis um, in his book, A Grief Observed, which you, you know the backstory to that. He wrote that right after his wife, Joy, died. And mm-hmm. it was absolutely devastating for him because those brief years that he'd been married to his wife, uh, he describes as the happiest of his life. And when she died, it was absolutely devastating. And shortly after her death, he wrote this book, A Grief Observed, and he poured out all of his emotion in real time. It's raw, it's ragged, it's painful, it's brutal. Some of the questions he asks, you're kind of shocked, actually, because you think of C.S. Lewis as mere Christianity and the guy who has 
all the answers. Exactly. And when he first wrote uh, Grief Observed, he actually wrote it under a pseudonym. He didn't want people to know ah. it was him. Uh, but the, eventually that came out. It was him who wrote it. And in that book, he, he talks about how his own faith was being deconstructed. But towards the end, and it's so beautiful, he says that, God, you're putting my faith back together, essentially. God, you're giving me a new perspective, a fresh perspective. And uh -huh. kind of reminds me of what he said in his other book, Till We Have Faces. It's one of my favorite books by Lewis. He says, I now know, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer. In other words, so he good. said, I've gone through a time of wrestling. Yes. I've experienced a time of doubting. And I've come to the conclusion that what my heart really wants is not bullet point simplistic answers, I want you. Yes. You are the answer. Uh -huh. And so I had to go through that journey as well to learn that, that faith is about relationship. It's about intimacy. It's about closeness. Sure, we pursue the answers. We go after the things that are troubling us. Yeah. But what awaits us is not necessarily certainty. What awaits us is deeper, more intimate relationship. So it's okay to ask the questions yes. because it's a real relationship. In fact, I would say it's not only okay. I, I would argue that the questions are the catalyst to lead you into deeper faith. See, so you're giving dads permission to be honest about the questions. Oh because goodness. I think sometimes yeah. Yeah. dads and Christian leaders or or really probably any parent, but is saying, I need to be the one with the answers. Right. How can I lead my child if I haven't figured this out? And you're right. saying, no, go there. Okay, well, Dom, speaking of tuning into your heart, I've heard you talk about Amelia and you light up when you talk about your daughter. And I've... I just love seeing that because it's obvious she has your heart. So I would just love to ask you, as a dad to a daughter, have you had to walk through any of this with her mm. where she's doubted her faith? Yeah. So my, my daughter, Amelia, she just turned 14. Oh. I just can't believe, can't believe it. Time's going by so fast. And um, she, she's always had this faith and trust in the Lord that's been so beautiful, so simple, so authentic, mm -hmm. so heartfelt. Um, at the same time, she's deeply, deeply inquisitive and um, although she hasn't gone through yet a, a crisis of faith, uh -huh. I wouldn't be surprised at some point. I think it happens to us all where yeah. her questions about life will turn towards her faith and she'll begin to reexamine things and maybe pull things apart. And, and as a dad, um, I don't want her to be afraid of those seasons where she'll begin to ask those questions. You know, I was reading about um, the Nobel laureate Isidore Isaac Rabi. Uh, 1944, he was awarded. Never heard of yeah, him. Yeah, brilliant guy. Okay. He was a scientist, and he, he became a Nobel laureate for his work in science. And someone once asked him, they're like, why, why were you so successful? And he credited his success, this is so beautiful, to how he was greeted when he came home. He said most kids, when they come home, they mm. would be asked by their parents, did you learn anything today? Yes. But he said, when I came home, I was asked, did you ask any good questions today? Oh, that's and he said, so good. He said, for me, that's, that's what made all the difference in my life. And, and, and that's my heart for, for my daughter, Amelia, that mm -hmm. she would feel comfortable asking the questions, that she would feel comfortable being willing to air her doubts and not suppress her doubts or hide her doubts. Because ultimately, an isolationist strategy towards doubt will back, backfire. Yeah. You know, I was reading this recent study by Fuller Seminary, and they found out that, you know, 70% of teens will abandon their faith. I've read similar it's, it's statistics. It's absolutely heartbreaking. By they're, 18 Yeah, or by, by the time yeah. they're 18. Yeah. So they're a part of high school, youth group. 70% of those will eventually graduate from God, so to speak, um, mm. and, and move on. 
But researchers, they also discovered that what was most effective in helping them retain their Christian convictions wasn't necessarily, you know, more Bible study or more church services or whatever, as important as those things are. The most significant factor was if they had a safe space at home. There you go. To wrestle with their doubts before leaving home. Yes. Uh, and so that's my heart as a dad. I, yeah. I want my daughter to really sense that any question is, is permitted. Well, I always end with a go step, but it's like, Dom, you're saying you could put one in now, which yeah. is, Dad, take the initiative yeah. to ask your daughter, where are you struggling with faith? Yeah. Not are you, right. but what questions do you have? And then tell her your own. Yeah. Like, let's yep. search out questions to you know, answers to our questions together. Oh my goodness. Just think, yeah. Get it out into the open. Yeah. Well, I've heard you speak on some ways that parents can help their kids who are struggling with doubt, kind of walk it through with them. Speaking of doing that, maybe some yeah. dads are like, I'm too afraid to go there because, you know, it might open up a can of worms that I don't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. What would you tell dads listening that have daughters who are wrestling with faith? Where would you tell them to start? What do they do? Yeah. Well, I would begin where we left off creating that safe space okay. to, to wrestle with your doubt. I think of 1 Thessalonians 5, which says, test everything, or Isaiah 1, mm. which says, come and let us reason together, yeah. says the Lord. So something happens when we create an environment where we're willing to walk together through seasons of doubt. I think doubt loses its strength. Um, doubt's greatest strength is secrecy. If we can keep it hidden, if we don't tell anyone about it, if we press it down, oh. then it begins to grow. And I think it becomes malignant or even toxic. I but hadn't you, even thought of you it You bring like it out that. into yeah. the light. It actually becomes, it can become redemptive and life-giving. And you think about it. That's how Jesus led his disciples. This was a game changer for me. The way Jesus raised his kids, so to speak, yeah. his disciples, was by asking them questions like, do you believe I'm able to do this? Or do you love me? Or why do you call me Lord, Lord? Or are, why are you afraid? These deep, yeah. dark, difficult questions, it forced them to open yeah. up yeah. And, and to, to share within their own assumptions. Yeah. And, and that's how they grew. And, and so I, I think as, as fathers, as we're wanting to love our kids, our daughters, mm-hmm. um, really asking them questions, like you said, those, those what do you doubt? What, what do you yeah. struggle with? And then listening to, what they have to say. And, and then I would say too, and this is more reactive, okay. is that if they go through a season of wondering or questioning or even walking away from the faith, showing grace. <laughs> I love the yes. story of the prodigal son. Yeah. Because the prodigal son, favorites. yeah, mine too. And uh, the prodigal walked far away from home and, and took the inheritance. And, and then he came to a place of, of realization. What am I doing here? I'm with the pigs. That definitely wasn't kosher as a young Jewish man. And he decided, I'm going to come home. Yeah. And he came home, and the father didn't shame him, didn't belittle him, but welcomed him because he could see everything that his son had gone through. You know what? I love what you're saying because I want to add one more layer to this, mm. is that in my counseling office, sometimes I hear parents say that when their kids do go away, like we read in Luke 15, and take their inheritance and run, that they start blaming mom and dad, like you forced me to believe that, but I never did. Or I, and it kind of feels real personal to parents or to dads, especially going out, feels like a gut punch. Mm. Like I was trying yeah. to lead well. I took you yeah. to Sunday school or we, you know, we read the Bible together. What would you tell dads that feel gut punched when their kids go, see, yeah. you forced me to believe that yeah, way? First, I mean, it is going to feel personal. How could it not? We've, we've raised our kids in a certain way. And we've given them a, a set of beliefs, and, and it's near to us. It's real to us. And we want them to have the same experience. And 
if they don't or if they reject that or abandon that, then of course it's going to be painful. However, I would say there's a redemptive side to this. And the redemptive piece is just as you needed to discover a faith that was your own mm -hmm. and not just the faith that was handed to you from your parents, so too your kids need to encounter Jesus for themselves. Like Jacob wrestled with God all night. He had incredible heritage, incredible parents and grandparents, yes. godly men and women. And yet he came to a place in his life where it had to be real for him. And he wrestled all night and encountered God. He walked so away with good. a limp, but his name was changed. Yes. And, and when your daughters go through times like that, when they're doubting and questioning and wondering and asking those difficult questions about who God is, that actually can be so good and redemptive and life-giving it's hard. It may last months or even years. Yes. But the outworking of that oh. is that they will encounter God for themselves. Oh, I love that. Well, if you're just joining us, welcome. And I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer. And today I'm talking with pastor and author Dominic Doan as we discuss the topic, When Faith Fails and Daughters Doubt. Well, you were just talking about these statistics earlier mm -hmm. that 70% right? Of kids yeah. fall away, if we want to call it that, or you said graduate mm -hmm. um, away mm -hmm. from either God or the church. Because I know some people that say the church and God go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I'm rejecting both yeah. or Jesus or yeah. whatever. So I've also read statistics about when dads lead mm -hmm. in the home, that there's a higher likelihood that children will follow mm -hmm. that lead, right? More than if mom is the only spiritual leader in the home. Why do you think fathers carry so much weight when it comes to influencing their children about following Jesus and living out their faith? Wow, that is such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I'm giving you the easy no, ones. No, but you're, yeah, you're right, though. Uh, there's this a professor of sociology at Rutgers University, um, David Poppenroy, I mm. believe. And he, he argues this, too. He says that fathers bring unique, positive benefits to their children. And that there's something about having a good male role model that will help shape their daughters to interact with and understand the world. And so you're right. As fathers, we have this unique responsibility in raising our kids and loving our kids and leading our kids, but also helping shape their spiritual trajectory as well. You know, Ephesians 6 verse 4 says that we're to bring up our children in the instruction of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that can mean having those conversations like you were just talking about or talking about the Bible or theology or prayer, taking them to church, youth group. All, all of that is really important. But, but I would say that most importantly, it means modeling what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They're looking to so us yes. as dads, yeah. wondering, what does this mean? Is it just going to church once a week? Is that Christianity? Or is this an all-of-life yeah. thing that will actually shape your decisions and your trajectory and who you are and your character formation? Right, because more is caught than taught. Absolutely. That is the most important piece. living that in, out. In, in fact, in, yeah. when, when Jesus was leading his disciples... Um, one Jewish sage during that time said that the goal of every student at the end of the day was to cover themselves in the dust of their rabbi. And I love that because which what means they, what? which meant that you're so close to your rabbi, you're following him, you're mimicking oh, him, you're learning uh. from him, not, not just listening to him, but, but you're also seeing how he does life. Yes. And because you're so close in proximity mm -hmm. to your rabbi, the goal of every student at the end of the day was, I want to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. And I think... Uh -huh. Really, as, as fathers, we want our kids, our daughters, at the end of the day, yes. <laughs> to be covered with the dust of Jesus, so close uh -huh. to Jesus. And they're looking to us as role models, as examples of what that means. Yeah. And you know, so often, I can speak as a daughter myself, is 
it's not about my dad being perfect. Yeah. It's not about, and I'm telling dads, it's not that your daughter is so close that you have to live a perfect life, but the more make amends, the more yeah. you're living out real Christianity, right? Is I yeah. ask forgiveness when I've blown it. It's just, and I think I would even tell dads, you can tell me your thoughts on this, Dom, but is you don't have to have all the answers. That's right. Let the non-answer answer be yes. a new thing that you, like, hon, mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Let's just sit in the mystery of it not being answered today. Yes. Yes. Right? And it's, it's okay. So and I think that kind of vulnerability speaks volumes. I, I think what can turn kids off is when we pretend mm. that we have all the answers. But it's okay to say, you know what, sweetie, that question you just asked me about the Bible, I don't know. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's find out together. Yeah. Let's read together. Let's listen to a good podcast like the Dad Whisperer <laughs> together. Um, and, and let's explore. Let, let this be a journey of faith that we go on together. Together. That is so good. Well, you write about four areas or, or issues that create doubt. Yeah. Could you just briefly, Dom, explain what those are and then tell a dad where to start if he wants to support his daughter through all of this complexity? Yeah. So in the book, I didn't want it to just be on doubt as kind of this mysterious, ethereal thing. I want it to be deeply, deeply practical. And so in the center of the book, I unpack four issues that create doubt in our life. Um, One being, as I mentioned, Scripture. I mean, let's face it, Scripture is beautiful. It's life-giving. It's the source of faith in so many ways. But but (laughs) there are also times we read it, and it raises more questions than answers. How many many read-through-the-Bible plans have died the death of Leviticus, for example? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And and we need to, with our daughters, Mm -hmm. be honest about that and and talk through what, what are some of those issues. And let's explore together, because at a surface level, sure, the Bible can create all these questions and uncertainties. Parts seem weird or barbaric or violent. Then you dig beneath the surface and you find it's beautiful. Um, Science is another one. There Mm. there is this incredible and I think heartbreaking uh, dichotomy that's presented um, in many Christian circles that science is the enemy of faith, that science is juxtaposed from Mm -hmm. faith. And that's just not true. I think science uh, actually can show us how creative God is. Uh So we should encourage our daughters in the sciences and encourage them to see this as an opportunity to encounter God and to worship God in a more meaningful way. Um, The third one, which is, I think, the issue, is why is there so much suffering in the world? Yeah. And uh, so I go into that in in, in chapter eight, I believe. Right, because there's not just an answer. There isn't just an answer. The Bible does give us some answers, which I think Mm -hmm. taken together are incredible. Um, However, Ultimately, the answer is is Jesus and yeah. redemption and what Jesus did at the cross is uh-huh. really a model for us of what yeah. God will do one day with all things, death, burial, and resurrection. It's the yeah. renewal of all things. And then the fourth the thing. The fourth one is the silence of God. And I think oh, right. teaching our daughters that prayer is so much more than just what we do sitting at a table yeah. <laughs> with our hands clasped. Uh, prayer is listening. And it's a moment by moment, day by day thing. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God is speaking. God is there and learning how together listening to his voice. And maybe being okay if you don't hear him too. That's right. Like that, Absolutely. like you said, the silence of God. Yeah. Sometimes I've seen that throw so many people, even myself, yeah. is why isn't he talking? I'm mm. asking. Yeah. But again, sitting in it being okay yes. in the process and not having to wrap it up with a bow exactly. and call it all good. Well, oh my goodness. I wish we had more time, Don, but you know too. I end every show with a go step. Mm. What would you tell dads listening today would be one way that they could take action in helping to support their daughter if she's failing with her faith or she's doubting? I would say one of the most empowering things that you can say to your daughter who is doubting is, I will love you through this. 
I will love you through this. Oh yeah. man, that almost brings tears to my eyes yeah. because it's so gentle. Mm. And because they need you, they need your presence. They they need your strength, and they need your wounds too. Your they, wounds. And by that I mean they need to see that you are on a journey of faith ah. as well. You know, I, I love those words by Henry Nouwen. He said, "No one escapes being wounded. We're all wounded people." Yeah. And the question is not how do we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed. But how do we put our woundedness in the service of others? Because when our wounds cease to be a source of shame, they become a source of healing. And yes. in the process, yes. we have become wounded. Healers. Oh, that's so good. So repeat the go step one more time. Yeah, I would say the most empowering thing you can say to your daughter who is doubting is, I will love you through this. I will love you through this. There you go, dads. Write that down. Commit it to memory. Well, on your mark today has been when faith fails and daughters doubt. Today, you've heard from pastor and author Dominic Doan. So your go stepdads, you've heard him say it, is love your daughters through this. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources, or you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link there to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart, which is also now available on Audible. You can also listen to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. Well, I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you as dads to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go dads. Go dads.